Mino Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because, as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. I know we want to be done with the pandemic. So do I. But this week, my family and I got a rude awakening when my two and a half year old, almost three, got COVID-19 for the first time. Now, if you listen to my other podcast that I co-host, it's called Oh, that's deep black women conversations. And it's basically a more casual girl talk about things going on in the world. Well, last week I went on a rant about how all toddler moms need a reward because of how active toddlers are. Well, man, what I wouldn't give to see Harrison as his usual active self. There's something about having a sick child that brings out just extreme anxiety Um And especially when your child has something that has claimed lives of millions of people already. So, of course, in my head, I'm just sitting there thinking, you know, I was complaining about my child running around and jumping off of stuff last week and basically feeling a bit overwhelmed. And now I'm like, oh, my God, I wish he would just act his normal self. Now, Harrison got COVID-19 from my mom, who takes care of him, who likely got it during our trip to San Antonio last week. My my husband and I essentially have no symptoms and tested negative, although we likely have it just by caring for Harrison. We hope we don't get it, but you know, when your child is sick, you can't really isolate a toddler in a room by themselves. I mean, you have to be with them and they definitely are a lot more clingy. Like I'm recording right now with Harrison on my lap. I'm holding him while he's sleeping because that's he needs to feel comforted. I pray that we don't get it, but he has it. What did we do? What happened, right? I mean, simple as that. We got too laxed. We forgot that COVID-19 has now gone through several variants. And after the the Delta variant, the virus has been less severe, but it's way more transmissible. The virus has killed 986,123 people as of this morning. And I'm recording on Sunday, no, Monday. It's killed that many people in the U.S. alone and a total of 6.2 million people worldwide. Y'all, that's a lot of people. I mean, that is a lot of people that are not here because of COVID-19. And the daily average number of deaths is downtrending. So for some, that's a relief, right? Well, it shouldn't be. Because if you look at the trend of the new daily cases, we still have a U.S. daily average of over 35,000 cases with a total of 80.5 million cases, 80.5 million. That's almost twice the rate of the country with the second highest number of cases, which is India, which we're seeing on the news that all these people in India are dying. Well, they're at 43 million cases. So we're, we're almost twice the amount of cases that India has. And we are way, way surpassed their deaths as well. And this trend is down since January, but it's still almost twice as high as it was this time last year. So all this is going on, right? All of this 
and the mask mandates are doing what? They're leaving. Okay. You can, you know, they're talking about taking mask mandates away from flights. They're talking about taking mask mandates in the hospital. A coworker was just talking today about, wait a minute, there are people walking around the hospital with no mask on that are working in the hospital with no mask on. Remember, the hospitals are where people with COVID go when they are severely sick. And the only places that are, that have mask mandates now are when you enter somebody's room, entering somebody's room. But if you're in the hallways, if you're walking through a waiting room, these people don't have necessarily have to wear a mask. Okay, let that set in. So the mask mandates are going away, although the numbers today are higher than they were in April of 2021. Let that sink in. It doesn't make any sense. Now, for my pregnant patients, just as a reminder, being pregnant puts you at a higher risk for severe disease. Also, those who are immunocompromised, whether you're pregnant or not, you also have an increased risk of getting severe disease. So what does that mean, immunocompromised? I'm talking about those who have heart disease, those who have diabetes or any underlying vascular disease, those with chronic kidney disease, autoimmune diseases like hypothyroidism and lupus, et cetera. If this is you, then you definitely need one of the vaccines and a booster to prevent severe disease. ACOG, which is the American College of OBGYNs, recommends that COVID-19 vaccines not be withheld from lactating women who otherwise meet criteria for vaccination based on prioritization groups outlined by the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. ACOG also said pregnant testing should not be required prior to vaccination. Okay, And they note that pregnant women who decline the vaccine should be supported by the decision, but they now recommend that people should not hesitate to get vaccinated in pregnancy. Okay. Now, unfortunately, our kids under five years old, like Harrison, still can't get vaccinated. Now, the good thing about kids is that they tend to have milder forms of the virus, but some kids do end up developing multisemic inflammatory syndrome in children, which is abbreviated as MIS-C, with an average age of kids being affected being nine years old. And what this means is COVID-19 virus can affect different organ systems and cause severe inflammation, like heart, meaning your kid can have a heart attack, can affect your brain, your kid can have a stroke, and it can affect your kidneys, your kid can have kidney failure, affect your liver, your kid can have problems with making clotting disorder and have bleeding issues. So it can affect the skin, people can have rashes. So it can affect pretty much any organ system in your child, just like it affects every organ system with us, but they call it this, you know, MISC because they're seeing this trend of multi-organs affected in those children versus those that are adults that are mostly a respiratory focused disease. Okay. If your kid is older than five years old, make sure to get them vaccinated. If you are pregnant, make sure you get vaccinated. If you have any immunocompromised state, make sure to get vaccinated. Because let me tell you, it's still here, okay? I have my toddler that I'm praying for every day to fully recover from this. And remember, Harrison's immune system, you know, he's gotten normal numbers as of the last year, but he still doesn't have the best immune system. So y'all pray with me and for me and my family as we try to get Harrison through um, 
through this virus. Now, my husband and I probably haven't been affected because we're vaccinated. We're vaccinated and boosted. So whether we're, you know, converted to positive and it's just completely asymptomatic or not, we know that the reason that we don't have the, the virus, or at least we don't have any severe symptoms of the virus is because we're vaccinated and we wish that our kids could be vaccinated. So I'm letting you guys know, you know, do not get too lax. If somebody tells you you don't have to wear a mask, wear the mask anyway. Okay. I know some people feel like guilty for wearing a mask, almost like, oh, if you're around people, you don't trust them. You know, people think you don't trust them. So not wearing a mask is a sign of trust. I've heard that from a patient. Well, I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable by me wearing a mask, or I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable by asking them to wear a mask. What? I mean, this is a matter of safety. So you can tell them, no, nah, girl, I'm going to keep my mask on. So quick story. I was visiting a friend of mine who's an OBGYN in Indianapolis. When she hears this, she knows who exactly who I'm talking about. I was visiting her house. Y'all, she had a mansion. It's amazing. It's gorgeous, right? And I'm walking through her house and she says, girl, you know, we're all vaccinated. You can, you don't have to wear a mask. And I said, oh girl, that's fine. I said, you know, Harrison, I'm going to keep my mask on. And I kept my mask on. And a couple of days later, she called me because she tested positive for COVID. Now, had I had my mask off, I probably would have gotten COVID. And then I probably would have brought that back home to Harrison. Never feel ashamed to say exactly how you feel and to make sure you're taking safety precautions. The other thing that I would suggest that people do is be outside. Like if you want to be around your friends and family, be outside more. Now, that's something that me and my family, now that we've had this rude awakening, we will do that. We will be outside more. We will not go to places and not wear masks. And we won't have anybody around our child, including my mom who stays with Harrison, who is going to public places without wearing masks. And you just have to do those things. You have to keep being steadfast in making sure you're protecting yourself, wearing your mask, practicing social distancing, washing your hands. Even when the rest of the world is ignoring the trend of the numbers going up, you do your due diligence to keep yourself safe. I'm not telling you not to go anywhere, but don't be like us. Make sure you're wearing your mask and make sure you're taking steps to prevent the spread of COVID-19 amongst your family and friends. All right. So now that we've had my little spiel about my family and Harrison and the reminder about COVID-19 still being there, let's go through some cases and talk through those as well. Our first case is a 40-year-old who is 26 weeks pregnant with her first child. She has a history of stroke, asthma, and thyroid disease. She presents for a fetal growth ultrasound and consultation. She heard that the vaccine has put patients at an increased risk of stroke and clotting. Therefore, she wants to know if the vaccine is safe given her history. So I know there was some talk about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine causing an increased risk of blood clots and stroke um, because when they were going through the trials, nine people end up getting um, either a blood clot or a stroke. But when they look back at the numbers in the general population, they found that that particular vaccine actually did not increase the risk of thromboembolic events. And when I say thromboembolic events, I mean clots that didn't travel. So clots that start in your leg and then travel to your heart or to your lung, travel from your heart to your brain. It does not increase that. So I would tell you that 
that is a misunderstanding. Now, honestly, for pregnant women, I usually recommend either the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine because there's more data in pregnancy. The Johnson and Johnson vaccine doesn't have as much pregnancy data. So I always recommend either the Johnson, the Moderna vaccine or the Pfizer vaccine for people in pregnancy. But even if you get the Johnson and Johnson, that's okay as well. And if you look at the risk of heart attack, stroke, blood clots with these vaccines, it's very, very low. Of course, there's nothing is no risk, right? The vaccine causes an inflammatory response, okay? That's how it, it causes your body to make antibodies. So when your body is faced with the virus, you already have antibodies to the virus to fight off the infection, okay? That's the point of the vaccine. So it does cause an immune response. Anytime you're sick or have an immune response, that itself can put you at increased risk for having clotting. It, it just does. But if you look at, hey, which is going to increase your risk more? Pregnancy in general or the vaccine and not being pregnant. Pregnancy in general has a way higher rate of having blood clotting than just a vaccine in an unvaccinated person. The other piece is people that have COVID-19 itself have a much higher risk of having blood clots, strokes, heart attack, right? Because COVID-19 itself, it increases your risk of thrombogenesis. And that's why people that are hospitalized with COVID-19, we tell them that they need to be on Lovenox or a blood thinner. Um, whether they're pregnant or not, we want them to be on something to prevent blood clotting because people with COVID-19 have a higher rate of having blood clotting and strokes. If you're at home, like we are, we're exposed to COVID, we are taking baby aspirin. So low dose aspirin, 81 milligrams once a day, because we too don't want to have a higher risk of clotting. Lovenox, uh, COVID, I mean, aspirin is not something that's going to be as preventative as taking an actual blood thinner, but it does have some antiplatelet effects. So it does help some clotting. So if you're at home and you have COVID or symptoms of COVID, I do recommend a baby aspirin taken once a day, unless there's a reason that you shouldn't. So talk to your provider about whether or not you should be on an aspirin or if you need to be on actual Lovenox if you have COVID-19 and you're at home. But to answer your question, no, um, that vaccine is not going to increase your risk above pregnancy of clotting, but actually getting COVID will. So the case pro for this case is the COVID-19 virus itself is thrombogenic, meaning it increases your risk of clotting. Therefore, if you have a history of blood clots like you do, you should definitely get the vaccine. All right, medical intern, what's our second case? Our second case is a 24-year-old who is six weeks postpartum. She was diagnosed with COVID-19 a week ago and is now asymptomatic with the exception of mild congestion. She presents for her postpartum visit without any other postpartum issues. However, she wants to know when she can resume breastfeeding since she recently had the virus. So usually I tell people if you had COVID-19 and you're breastfeeding, then there shouldn't be a reason that you stop. If your child is, you know, very young like yours, you may want to pump and, you know, express milk in a, in a bottle and then have the baby drink the breast milk that you pump as opposed to having your baby latch directly to the breasts. Okay. But in terms of 
breastfeeding itself, you can still pump and collect the milk. Now, mind you, if you're not super symptomatic, then you can have the baby latch and just wear a mask. So I tell my patients, wear an N95 mask while the baby is latched, okay? Cleanse the outside of the breast, okay, um, with soap and water to wipe away any of the virus because you know the virus is killed with soap and water. So make sure you are keeping the breasts clean and then have the baby latch and you can wear an N95. But let's say you are symptomatic, you're coughing, okay, or you're extremely lethargic, you have a runny nose, and so you're not going to be able to keep a mask on. Then I will tell you to not have the baby latch, but still pump, okay? Continue to pump every three to four hours like you've been doing on a schedule. Make sure you stay extremely well hydrated because COVID-19 can, like any virus, decrease your appetite, make you not want to eat. Um, and then you get dehydrated and your milk supply is uh, is down. So I would definitely encourage you to, to keep hydration up so that your milk supply won't drop down, okay? So as long as you're well hydrated, you're not too lethargic and you're and you are up to having, uh, you know, pumping, I would say pump if you're symptomatic and feed the baby what you pump. But if you're not symptomatic or you don't really have that many symptoms, like you don't have a cough and runny nose that will require you to have to take your mask on and off, then just wear an N95 and continue to have your baby latch after you cleanse the outside of the breast. And when can you resume? You never have to stop. Okay. If you get COVID-19, wear a mask, wash your breast, have the baby latch or pump but you don't have to stop giving the baby some natural antibodies. Even if the baby does come in contact with the virus from you will help the baby's immune system be boosted and will help the baby fight off infection. So we know that those antibodies are expressed in the breast milk, which is good for the baby's immune system. If you recall from previous episodes, Babies don't have their own full immune system until they're six months, okay? So everything that you give this baby um, through breast milk is what the baby gets. That's why breastfeeding is so important because you are giving the baby some antibodies and helping to build the baby's immune system. So I would tell you, you don't have to stop unless you are just so lethargic or short of breath that you're just not up to it, okay? Then, yeah, you can supplement. But if you are, have the energy and you're making um, supply and you can have the baby latch and wear a mask, do that. Or if you can pump and then feed that baby that breast milk that you pumped, then definitely do that. You don't have to stop breastfeeding. So the case pearl is, Patients should continue to breastfeed despite COVID-19, whether you get it or not. All right, medical intern, are there any emailed cases? Yes, this one says, Dr. Plenty, I had a baby eight weeks ago and now plan to go back to work. The problem is I'm very concerned about my baby getting COVID-19 in the daycare. What steps can I take to ensure that my baby is as safe as possible? This is a real common question that I get because parents are very concerned, but it's hard, right? Like you're juggling, like trying to provide for your family and the safety of your child. And that's such a hard decision to make because you can say, I'm not going to put my child in daycare, but then you don't have any money to pay your bills and you can't feed your child. Or you can say, I'm going to put my baby in daycare, but that's a risk that your baby is going to get COVID-19. So the first thing I would do is, one, research the safety precaution the daycare is taking. Or is the daycare, you know, wiping all the toys down with like 10% bleach solution or Lysol solution um, every day so that those germs aren't transmitted as frequently from kid to kid? 
How's the daycare cleaning the bathrooms? Is there any extra protocols or steps they're taking? Are they wiping all the mat mats down that the babies are taking? You know, um, the kids are taking naps with. If you're eight week old, they're going to be in a bassinet or a baby bed. Are they sterilizing those every time um, they put a new child into the bed? Does each child have an assigned bed so that they're not sharing a bed and they're not putting different kids in different beds? I would ask those questions. If a kid has a fever, how are they contact tracing those kids? What's the backup if somebody does have an outbreak at the school, a COVID outbreak at the school? What are they doing? So I would first look at the safety precautions the daycare is taking before I decide which daycare I'm going to put my child in. And then secondly, I would make sure that I'm breastfeeding. Okay, if you can breastfeed and give your baby some natural antibodies, if especially if you're vaccinated, you're going to give the baby some antibodies just by being vaccinated. That will help your baby's immune system and help your baby fight off COVID-19 in itself. I would monitor my baby's temperature. If my baby has a fever, I would contact the pediatrician immediately. I always assume a fever is COVID-19 until you're, you get a negative test. Okay, So be very diligent in making sure your child um, stays up on the schedule in terms of breast milk. Eight week old shouldn't drink water. After a year, you can introduce, you know, you're going to introduce water. So I would make sure that my baby's eat, feeding habits are on point so that I know that my baby is well hydrated. Make sure that I'm wiping the surfaces at home and monitoring symptoms. But at the end of the day, besides breastfeeding and knowing the precautions that the daycare is taking, that is really all you can do. You just have to trust that the precautions that that daycare is taking are going to be helpful. And I would also want to know how are they contacting the parents when somebody does in fact test positive? I mean, that's important that they're going to record that. And are their workers wearing masks? Are they taking temperatures of the children? So really it's going to depend on the safety precautions of that daycare. I mean, obviously the other alternative is you can have somebody stay at home with your child. So your child's only exposed to one person, but Harrison's in that same situation. He stays home with my mother of all people and he still got COVID. So know that sometimes you can do all you can and your child still get COVID. You just have to make sure your child is as healthy as they possibly can be so that your child is able to fight off COVID. And then when your child is a little older, then at two, your child can start wearing a mask. At five, your child can be vaccinated. I understand your child's only eight weeks and you have to make some decisions real quick about whether or not you're putting your child in daycare. But your biggest thing is going to be the safety precautions of that daycare. I would find that out first. But mama, you got to do what you got to do to provide for your family. Send breast milk with that child to daycare and be in prayer, be prayerful. Okay. And if you see any signs of COVID-19 in your child, any symptom, contact the patient's, uh, the baby's uh, pediatrician. So runny nose, that's more excessive than normal. Fever, 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 definitely. Any rash, nausea and vomiting, irritability. If your child is, you know, more restless than usual, I would ask my provider, the pediatrician, hey, are these signs that I need to be concerned about? This is something new my child is doing. I'm concerned. Can I get tested for COVID-19? So you just be diligent in making sure you're monitoring your child's symptoms. Make sure you know the safety precautions of the daycare and providing your baby with some natural antibodies to the breast milk 
but that's all you can do, mama. That's it. You've done your best. All right. I think that that's all of the cases for today. And my medical intern is shaking her head. Yes. So thanks so much for listening to Pregnancy Pros Podcast. Go ahead and share the podcast and this episode with your friends and family who are pregnant, planning to get pregnant, or who want or need women's health tips. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. And don't forget to catch up on the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash pregnancy pearls with Dr. Plenty for more quick talks about pregnancy complications. In closing, Remember, to advocate for yourself, you are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty, produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production.